we enjoy our fellowship and our time together. And so uh, one of the things that we're doing is after this service, uh, down at the Washburn tent, there's uh, water and coffee and Danish and muffins and all that kind of thing. Feel free to stop by there, enjoy that, uh, spend a little time together just uh, talking to each other and, and getting to know one another. And um, we are, uh, we're grateful you're here. Thanks for coming. I know many of you have good church homes and this just happened to be the day that you're at the fair. So we appreciate having you. Um, if you don't have a church home, we invite you to stop by and uh, check out what's going on out there because uh, we do. We've uh, watched the Lord doing some good things and we're enjoying what we're uh, seeing out there. So before we get going this morning, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we will get started with the word of God. Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, thanks for the opportunity for us to gather in a country in which we can freely worship. Lord, that did not come cheap. It came at a price, and we thank you for our men and women who have served and are serving. And um, Lord, we thank you for your hand upon um, our lives and our country and what you have allowed us to appreciate and enjoy. And uh, Father, this morning, as we gather, may we encourage one another May we build one another up. Lord, may we take the next few moments and focus on what you would have us to learn today. And Lord, may we not just hear, but may we apply. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may our lives be lived differently this week because of you and your word and uh, our obedience. So we thank you for the opportunity and speak to our hearts and thanks for the time. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to go to a, a text that I went to a number of years ago, but I want to go to, from a different perspective, and the text is in John chapter 4, so you're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to read a fairly lengthy story, and then we're going to talk about it for a few moments, and then we're going to apply it to our own lives. So it's found in John chapter 4, it's a story of Jesus, and um, in this story, in John chapter 4, Jesus is has been in Jerusalem, he's been ministering, he's been doing his thing there, and he decides he wants to go to Galilee. And so he makes the trip to Galilee. Now, from Jerusalem area to Galilee, there's two main routes. One route goes through Samaria, and one route skirts around it. Normally, Jews, because they wanted nothing to do with Samaritans, skirted around it. Uh, they didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't like them. So whenever, there was a, whenever they had to travel through that area, they would often bypass it. But we pick up the story in John chapter 4, and here's what it says. It says, or John, uh, it says, and he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. And he comes to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And this goes all the way back into the Old Testament. It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat down um, on the well, by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So this is the middle of the afternoon. It says, there comes a, whim, a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which is, which I'm, I'm a woman of Samaria. The Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said, look, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you, give me to drink, you would have asked of me and he would have given you living water. And the woman said unto him, sir, you, you have nothing to draw water with. The well's deep. 
And from when are you going to give, from how are you going to give me that living water? And the woman said, and uh, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank for him and his children his cattle? And Jesus said, whosoever drinks of the water I'm talking about will never thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him and the well of water spring up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, then give me this water that I may thirst not, neither have to come to the well anymore. And Jesus said unto her, Go and call your husband and come forth. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You've said well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the man that you're with now is not your husband. You've said that truly. And a woman said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when uh, you shall neither worship in this mountain nor Jerusalem to worship the Father. You worship what you know not, and what you worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks some, seeks that type of person to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And a woman said, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ, and when he's come, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this, the disciples came and marveled that he talked with the woman. And then I want to skip down a couple of verses. It says that a woman left her water pot and went away to the city and said to the men, Come, see a man that told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And then there's a discussion with Jesus and his disciples. And I want to jump down to verse 40. It says, And when the Samaritans were come to him, They besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode with them two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, Now we believe because of your saying. And not because of your saying, because we have heard him ourselves. And know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Very lengthy story, and sometimes it helps us to go back in context so we understand exactly what the story is all about. So let me give you a little bit of insight. Um, the Samaritans were, were originally Jews. They were considered half-breeds. Um, when they went into the promised land, they were told not to marry the people of the land, the Canaanites, the people who worshipped idols. And, this, and, and the northern tribe that in Israel decided not to listen to that, and they intermarried. And if you know anything about your Old Testament, you remember that in, in one part, there were good kings and bad kings, good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings. That was the southern part of Israel. The northern part of Israel had all bad kings. But you see, they just wouldn't listen to God. And so the Samaritans, who were in the northern part, kind of became disenfranchised with the people in the south, kind of like the old north-south confederate thing years and years ago. And if you've been in the south, you know that that's still alive in some places. But uh, anyway, what you have here is... You have this group. So there's always been this animosity. Well, the Samaritans, the people in the north, got a little perturbed that every year their people would go down to the south into Jerusalem to worship. So what what the Samaritans did is they said, look, we don't want our people going down into the south in Jerusalem to worship. Let's build our temple up here at Mount Gerizim. So there became a big division between people who were true Jews and people who were half-Jews. The Samaritans were considered half-Jews. 
because they didn't worship in Jerusalem. They worshiped in Mount Gerizim. So because of that, when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the things that you see with Jesus, you see Jesus interacts with the Samaritan. Now, folks, that was revolutionary for the time. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. That's why Jesus, the story of the good Samaritan, is so earth-shattering. Because the Jews are going along thinking, well, surely, I mean, the Samaritan's not good. And it's the Samaritan who helps. Not the Jewish, not the rabbi, not the good Jew. Nobody. It was the Samaritan that helped. So Jesus would often interact with these people when no one else would. Uh, in fact, even in this story, when his disciples come on the scene, what do they go? They go, what are you doing? Why are you talking to a Samaritan? And why are you talking to a woman Samaritan? And we'll get into that in just a second. But um, basically, this is, this is the scene. So Jesus determines to go to, through Samaria. He gets to Sychar. And it's interesting, because we get some insight into Jesus. He's tired. And he's thirsty. So we learn something about the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's experiencing everything that you and I experience with the exception of sin. Because he never sins. He's a sinless sacrifice. But yet, he's hungry. He's tired. He gets sleepy. Uh, he, he, he feels the, the weight of humanity on him. And he's thirsty. So a woman comes up. In the middle of the day, and that would have been unusual because most people got their water early in the morning. And she approaches the well, and Jesus says, hey, uh, can you give me something to drink? Now, first of all, for a man in this culture to address a woman was a big deal. Particularly a woman who's coming in the middle of the day, because those women often had another association. Um, every They were kind of the the town person everybody talked about behind the back. So often for them to, they would find an easier way out by coming in the middle of the day when everybody wasn't there. And even she is taking back when he speaks to her. And she goes, first of all, why are you talking to me? Because you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk. We ignore each other. Why in the world are you even speaking to me? And she's shocked. And Jesus looks at her and he said, um, look, if you knew what kind of water, if you knew who was asking you for water, you'd be asking me for water. And now she's really perplexed now because, A, he doesn't have any way to get water. This well is about 100 feet deep. And he's looking at her talking about living water. So she looks at him almost, almost jokingly and says, okay, look. Why don't you just go ahead and give me that water then? That way I don't have to come to this well every day. So I'll take it. Go do your thing. Give me the water. And so Jesus now, it's interesting because it seems like the whole, in the story, this thing seems so out of place. Jesus said, okay, go get your husband. And she goes, I ain't got one. And he said, yeah, I know. In fact, you've had five. And the guy you're with now, you're living with him. You're not even married to him. Now, we need a time out for a minute because we need to understand the background of it. A lot of people look at this and they're really hard on this woman for this, but you need to understand the culture. In this culture, the status of women was incredibly low. Um, in fact, women could not initiate a divorce. Only the man could. Um, if she had been part of the freed women that had been freed, who were in slavery and then freed, they were, whether they were male or female, they were not allowed to marry 
So she could have easily been married five times as a, as a slave and then been a free person and now she's not allowed to marry. So she just lives with the guy. Don't be too hard on this woman. But in this culture, this, is, this was even being divorced five times was kind of a big deal. It was kind of like, you know, I, didn't, I can't do the marriage thing. And so Jesus looks at her and it's interesting because he brings this up. Now, listen, if you're this woman, what's probably the sorest spot in your life? You know, your past. Because it's painful. And she's looking at it, and Jesus goes, Yeah, you've been married five times, and the one you're with now is not your husband. I get that. And notice her response right away You are a prophet. Nobody could, you, there's no way you could have known this unless God revealed this to you. You're a special messenger for God. And then, what does she do? She goes right into an argument about religion. Hey, since you're a God's guy, Let's talk about where we should worship. It's the reason that I, as a, as a person, never introduced myself as a pastor. I, I, the last thing I want people to find out is that I'm a pastor. You know why? Because the average person, the second they find out you're a pastor, they're like, hey, I got this question about the Bible. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a human being first, okay? You know, do you see me? Not the pastor thing. Um, and the second she finds out he's a prophet, she's got a question. Hey, look, who's right? Are the Jews right or the Samaritans right? She wants to go right to her religion. And Jesus looks at her and he goes, you don't get it. It's not about that at all. Worship, following God, is about spirit and truth. It's about what happens internally, what's happening that, that affects you externally. It changes your life. It's not about this. It's not about places, honey. You're missing it completely. And, she, and Jesus points this out to her. And she's just flabbergasted. So what happened? As, as, she's getting, as she's having a discussion, the disciples approach. And what do they do? They look at you. Oh, Jesus, we're so glad you got to talk to somebody about eternal life. Why were you talking to a Samaritan? Don't you know Jesus? We don't do that. Did you miss that in your upbringing? We don't talk to Samaritans. And we really don't talk to women Samaritans at a well in the middle of the day. Do you know what they're going to say about you? This is not a conversation you should have been having, Jesus. And they get into this lecture thing with Jesus and they go back and forth and they're like, you know, in fact, they actually try to feed him because they think that he's delirious. And they go, hey, look, you got to get some food in here because you're making some really bad decisions here. The woman goes back, she goes to the town hall or the town gathering and tells the men what had just happened. Now, think of it as our modern day coffee shop. So she runs to the coffee shop and says, hey guys, there's a guy over at the well, you've got to go see He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. This girl has some Bible background. She understands some Bible stuff. She, he told me everything I've ever done. And he still talked to me. Let's go check him out. And they now come to Jesus. And they want to check him out. And what happens is they end up believing him and following him too. And Jesus spent, and I think this is phenomenal. Jesus and the disciples spend two days in Sychar with the Samaritan. And I think that time was spent with Jesus teaching the Samaritan, or Jesus teaching the disciples as much as he was teaching the Samaritan. So that's the story. Let's talk about some things for us this week. Here we go. Here's the first thing. God is more interested in your present and your future than he is your past. You get that? You get the idea that when Jesus, the only reason Jesus even brings up her past is so she can see her need for Jesus. 
You see, being married five times tells me one thing about her. She's looking for a relationship that lasts. But she never found it in a guy that she married. And Jesus knows that. He knows that her real need is a relationship. So he confronts her and he goes, okay, go get your husband. Oh, no, I've had five of them. That that thing's not for me. That doesn't work out for me. Jesus never addresses her past again. Why? Because Jesus is more concerned about her present and her future. And you know what? That's no different for you and I. I deal with people all the time that say, you know what? You don't understand. I can't do the church thing because you don't know my past. My past is so bad. I've actually had people tell me, you know what? If I walked into a church, God would burn it to the ground. Because I am so, you don't, you don't know how bad my past is. You know what I tell them? Don't worry, we built it really well. You know, we put up a steel building. Uh, don't worry about it. Because you know what? Here's the thing. You need to understand God's in the process of changing lives. He's more, he's more concerned about you coming to know him and establishing a relationship and your future than he is about your past. He knows about your past. It doesn't take him by surprise. And he's not interested in you living in your past. Satan is. Satan will continually bring your past up. Satan will continually beat you up with your past. Satan will continually hammer you away at your failures. God's more interested in the future. And Jesus here, when he meets this woman, he says, Look, I I want you to know I'm concerned about your present. I'm going to offer you water, life, that's everlasting. I'm going to give you a different way to live life. Yeah, okay, so what? Your past is your past. Can't do anything about it. Can't change it. Let's talk about your future. Because I am here for your future. It's an invitation on her part to join Jesus. Second thing I see in the story that I think is interesting is it's about a relationship, not religion. Jesus comes to her and he said, look, if you knew the gift of God, and who said, give you a drink, you'd be asking me. Jesus makes it personal. See, we think that Christianity and church and religion is about systems and formality and places and stuff like that. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what, the second she finds out he's a man of God, what does she want to do? She wants to have a debate about where we should worship. And Jesus goes, it's not about that. It's about what's in your heart. It's about what's happened in your life. It's spirit and truth. It's about something internal and external. It's not about the system or the hoops that you jump through. It's interesting to me because, you know, one of the things I ask people is, why do you go to church? Because I know people who go to church and they go through these rituals and I go, what do they mean? They go, I don't know, we just go. Why do you go? Well, my parents went. I'm like, then what are you doing? It's about spirit and truth. And I, I do, people, I've had, I've had people say this to me. Well, you know what? I don't want anything to do with Christian because I know this Christian. And if that's what Christianity is, I don't want any part of it. Look, I, I'm one of those black and white kind of guys, so I might offend you, but you know what? That's just dumb. That's just dumb. Because you're focusing on the wrong person. It'd be like me driving to Sioux City this afternoon and a truck driver cuts me off. And I go, you know what? Truck drivers, all truck drivers are bad. Because of that one truck driver or those five truck drivers that cut me off. You go, well, that's pretty immature. I mean, come on, get over it. There's a lot of truck drivers. You can't take the whole lump and lump them in. Exactly. And you can't do the same thing with Christian. By the way, if you're focused on the way other Christians act, you're missing the boat completely anyway. 
Because see, we don't follow other Christians. We follow Christ. So you focus on what Christ says, not what other Christians do. Now, as a Christian, my goal is to try to live in the teachings of Jesus Christ. But the reality of it is I still have a human nature, too. And the reality of it is I don't always do what I ought to do. And if you're looking for a church of perfect people, I'm gonna, it's like I tell all our people, well, go somewhere else because it ain't here. We're all a work in progress. We're all trying to be more like Christ in the way that we live our lives. But you know what? We fail just like everybody else because we're not Christ yet. We're not with Christ for all of eternity. Else. We're not at that point yet. And this woman wanted to make it about, well, where are we? You know, it's about the religion. It's about, is Garrison the place or is Jerusalem the place? She goes, it's not about that at all. It's about your heart before God, spirit, true. And he drives this home to her. And I guess the question I always ask people is, does it make a difference? I mean, does your faith, Christianity, religion, whatever you want to call it, does it really make a difference in the way you live your life? Because genuine Bible Christianity should impact the way you live your life every single day. It's about a relationship with Christ. And the other thing is this, it's personal. It's very personal. It's interesting, when the people from the town came out, the thing that they said to the woman is, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Son of God. It's personal. And these people from Sychar come out and listen, you, don't, you and I don't understand how big a deal this was. They were following a Jew. They were turning their back on family and friends to follow a Jewish Messiah. That's huge. Because they personally said, we've seen it, we've heard him, we've experienced it, we individually accept it. We're willing to listen to him. And he spent two days there teaching them. Because they wanted a personal relationship with Christ. So I come to the end of it and I ask a couple of questions. A couple of things to focus on as we wrap it up. The big question comes down to this. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ as your only way to God? Period. You have a personal relationship with Christ as your only way to God. You see, it's about your present and your future. It's not about your past. Some of you are going, well, you don't understand. You don't know how messed up my life is. Let me tell you something. I have watched God. I've been at this thing over 30 years. I've been in this church over 25 years. I have watched God do some incredible things. I have watched people with past that would break your heart. And I have watched God give them hope and purpose and joy and peace. And a way to live life that they've never experienced before. It's not about your past. It's about what God can do with you in the present and in the, and, and in the future. It's an invitation to a relationship with Christ. And that's the second thing. It's about a relationship, not religion. I can't tell you the number of people I hear, oh, I got my church, I got my religion. Yes, so did she. But she didn't need a religion. She didn't need to travel up to Mount Gerizim and make it about worship. She needed a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about your church. It's not about the hoops that you jump through. It's not about catechism or baptism and all those other things that everybody tells you are the way to have it. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
as your Savior, as your Lord. You go, well, you don't understand how hard it is for me to walk away from my family and my background and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Jesus talked about that. But you see, this is the last thing. It's personal. It's not about your family. It's not about your heritage. It's not about your background. It's about you individually, personally, before God. What do you believe? What are you trusting in? Who are you following? What difference does your faith make in your life? Because you see, it should make a world of difference. And that's the hope that Jesus offers, that he can talk to a woman who no one else, even his own disciples said, you shouldn't be talking to her. And he goes and he talks to this woman. And because of her past, even her own people had rejected her, but Jesus doesn't. And Jesus offers her the incredible gift of eternal life. And she goes into town and she says, i got to go tell you guys what just happened. And they all come and they get to experience it as well. Why? Because it's personal. Because it's about a relationship. It's not about your past. So I close this morning with this. Too many people think church and Christianity is about religion. Just like this woman. Christianity is about a person. Jesus Christ. It's about an eternal, personal relationship with him. It changes and affects every aspect of your life. Please make sure that you have that personal relationship with Christ and not just religion. We always do this every year, but in the bulletin is printed a whole lot of verses and a whole lot of things explaining it in detail. But really, it's pretty simple. You acknowledge that you're a sinner, you believe in Jesus Christ, and you confess him as your Lord and Savior and make him your personal Savior. For me, I was 16 years old, did it sitting in a chair in Detroit, Michigan with about 30 other teenagers. I've had people do it driving home from church. I've had people put their faith and trust in Christ sitting at a fairground. It's about making sure that your trust is in Christ. And that is our prayer. And that's what we're about. And uh, it changes everything for us. And it'll do the same thing for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the cross, for loving us so much that you were willing to go to the cross for us. And Lord, if there are some here that, Lord, they're like that woman, they're, they're following religion and systems and Lord maybe they don't have any religion at all maybe they're just going along on their own Lord, would you help them to understand what you offer and Lord uh, we thank you for loving us enough to care about our future and not our past so uh, may this be a day of change may it be a day that we who are Christians appreciate and value what we have And for those who aren't, that Lord, maybe this might be the day that they come to be a part of your incredible family. These things we ask in your name. Amen.